0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash project for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash project for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I jumped into my pool this weekend with all my clothes on. <gasps> Burr. It was cold. Mm-hmm. It was cold. And... It is surprisingly warmed up so fast, Kin City is hot <laughs> spring, and our pool went up more than ten degrees in two days. Oh my gosh, yeah, so it'll
1: probably cool down this week, I feel like I do
0: think so with the rain and wow. with the cloudiness it it may end up going backwards but we had enough hot days in a row mm-hmm. and then I spent two hours outside that I was like I am burning up I'm jumping in and Jared's like are you sure it's freaking freezing I did came up for air and it literally knocked the air out of me because yeah. it was
1: so cold what was the temperature
0: it was like 72 <laughs> yeah so I think like therapeutic like ice baths are like in the 60s. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely cold. (laughs) Yeah. We turned the hot tub down to a hundred degrees. Oh, okay. (laughs) And that feels like a bath. (laughs) I'm sure. When it's just a little bit over your body temperature. Yeah.
1: A little bit warmer. We spent a lot of time outside this weekend. We got some new plants and I really commit to a lot of perennials every year. I just don't like wasting plants, but I like to just see them grow and evolve and change. But I give myself two different spots for annuals. And so our hanging baskets out front and then this like three container raised planter box thing that we have on the back deck. And so I got to fill them this weekend and they're so cute. And I like try new things every year and I'm very excited. Lots of begonias because they're my freaking favorite. I guess some double impatience, which like look almost like tiny roses. They're so pretty. Yeah, have a big variety. Planted some zenas, some other cut flowers. I can't remember the name. And yeah, it's looking pretty good.
0: I'm behind. We between birthday party and Mother's Day stuff. We worked a ton in the yard, but I was actually YouTubing how to change a mower deck belt and walk Jared through how to work on our tractor this weekend. So I am now well-versed in lawnmower. What would you call that? Knowledge? Mechanics? Mechanics. (laughs) (laughs) Mechanics.
1: Are you watching any good shows right now?
0: I did start, based on your recommendation, Firefly Lane. That was Um, my recommendation? I thought it was. It wasn't mine. I've never seen it. Oh. It might have been my mom's then I don't know. I don't know who recommended it. but I it Or maybe sad, I think that so. it was recommended. But either way, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm only one whole episode inside. So. Oh, great. I've heard it's sad. It's emotional. It is. So it's about be- two best friends who like grew up across the street from each other. And their, one had like a more stable family life and the other one did not. And one ends up becoming famous and one's a mother. And the contrast of their lives and also like that they both want what the other person has. And I think there's some like beauty to it, but also like kind of a grass is always greener thing going on. But there's already some drama unfolding. And the episodes are very long. So like the first episode was 50 minutes. So And I think there's two seasons now. So like yeah, I'm going to be in it You're it's gonna gonna be for in a while. It. Do you watch
1: Ginny and Georgia? I have, Netflix? yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you current? I am
0: not caught up.
1: Okay, we're not caught up either, but we're, I would say, in the middle-ish of the most recent season.
0: When was the most recent season released? I don't know. Oh. It's been a minute. Okay, then I might have seen that whole season. Oh, actually. okay, okay.
1: Well, it's also emotional in a different way it's very it's very funny so brian is the one who found the show first and suggested we watch it and we watched the first season which was really good is it only two seasons so far it might be that that's why i think i've watched all of it yeah so if it is only two seasons i feel like i need to look it up real quick then the second season is what we're on right now and let's see
0: but it's also family dynamics.
1: It's it- only two seasons, yeah. So we're halfway through season two. Season two, I feel like it goes even deeper in the family dynamics and really lets the characters like come into their own, I feel like. And it's so funny because Brian definitely likes the show more than I do. It's not that I don't like it. It's just very triggering
0: uh yeah 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 i so i know enough about the show to absolutely know why <laughs> yeah yeah um, so it, for sure with um uh, and it's like for 10 reasons it's not oh, just no no it's two. not one by any means but like in terms of topics it gets into like having kids super young parental but, units yeah. falling it's apart
1: who the mom had her at 15 mm-hmm. and they have a very friendship based relationship rather
0: than and all older daughter in every regard. That that. Yeah. Mental health issues, yep. daddy issues. Yep. yep. And so it's funny
1: because, I, okay, so I've said this before and I think I've said it to you, but in my opinion, if you do not grow up, or live your daily life, like either in fear of something or anxiety about something or having had past or current trauma, right? If that is not your reality, a.k.a. you're a straight white man who comes from married parents and an incredible family and all the things. You mean like your spouse. like my husband, then you seek your thrill in other areas, whether that be watching really emotional television, horror films, going skydiving, going skiing, going like, like I got enough. I'm good. Like I'm good. I don't do anything like I'm good. And so even emotionally heavy shows are really hard for me to get behind. Why do I want to feel emotionally heavy? Like I've done that for decades. I don't want to continue doing that. And so this show is just him and I just laugh about it all the time because he's like, oh, do you want to sit down and watch it? And I'm like, I'm not in the capacity for that right now. And I definitely cannot do two in a row, like at all. I have to literally like process the feelings that the show made me feel in that episode for the rest of the evening.
0: I do think there is opportunity for some like therapeutic benefit to have stuff pop up because I do think it gives you an opportunity to revisit something from a child like that you felt as a child as an adult and potentially process trauma that previously existed there or is existing there and like move through it in a new way or have a new perspective but I agree it can be really hard and I am typically someone who seeks out like comedy and romance only like to the point that it's like almost obnoxious like at Christmas time because I have so much coming up about the fact that I don't have kids and everyone's like taking family portraits I'm literally like oh let me watch some cute feel good movies because I can't handle my own reality (laughs) Uh (laughs) So I get it and that is a heavy show
1: so yeah it is good and I do think it I am glad we're watching it because I feel like While I am so freaking hopeful that we're not traumatizing our own daughter in the same levels, I do think it's giving Brian a little insight into the teenage girl's mind and different things that they deal with and go through and think about. And I hope that that can arm us well for the future because he's the one who wanted a girl. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I know what it's like being a girl in this world and then throw in like. One amount of like fucked upness, and it's a whole thing. And but him and I have even had been able to have some really great conversations about, you know, me as a kiddo and like different things that I've gone through in my life.
0: Oh my god, I have to tell you a side tangent story oh about you as a kid. Oh no, I <laughs> got insight into this it's so cute and I love you and oh no, your, your mom was sharing the other day and I got the story retold through Jared because it was just so ridiculous about the first time you saw a drag queen oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you were apparently nine years old and at a I don't know if this was before the Britney Spears concert but you were like away out of town for Britney Spears uh-huh and you saw a drag queen and you said mama she's so beautiful can I go tell her how beautiful she is and then you like walked over to her and told her how beautiful she was and it like really changed your mind and then like you came back to her and mama she's so beautiful and her friends are so beautiful but there is something different about her and I don't understand I don't know what it is <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, Oh, Emily's little heart. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I remember that it was at the Britney spirit. It was like getting, we were in line, we were in the concourse area of the stadium and just walking around and I saw her and I was like, my life has changed. Cause you know, she was so tall and just like the presence was so large and it
0: was just, Mind-blowing to me. <laughs> uh, that made quite the impression, so much so, that your mom retold the story 20-something years later. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: And then I got to see some incredible queens at a Taylor Swift brunch, a drag brunch that was so good. It was so good. It was so emotional and so good.
0: <laughs> and it was just well, I... <laughs> I showed a picture of the brunch to Jared and he was like, wait, that's not Taylor Swift.
1: (laughs) Okay. So that woman. Okay. So on a tangent. So that drag queen is based in LA and her whole thing is that she looks so much like Taylor Swift, like her bone structure and her face that she like regularly performs as Taylor Swift in drag. They flew her out for this performance. And so she came out multiple times and every single time she was also a new era. So she did like folklore and red and reputation. And it was like a full commitment to like outfits that Taylor has worn at like concerts and in those eras. And like the wig was braided perfectly to folklore. Like it was so good so good. And every performer was incredible and it was magical and people were crying and it was just like so great. Was
0: everything dancing plus lip syncing or was anything sung live? Nothing was sung live. So it was dancing, lip syncing.
1: And then they did have a moment in the middle, kind of like intermission where if it was your birthday or you're getting married, you went up on stage. And so there was probably like 10 people, 12 people on stage, two from our group. And they all, like, introduced themselves, said their little bit, and then they all had to take a shot. (laughs) But then they all got their own bucket and they had to go around the room for a song, raising money for an incredible charity in town to help, like, displaced LGBTQI youth. And it was, like, they raised so much money. It was so great. It was so sweet. (laughs) And it was just... Like being in Nashville during that time when a lot of the laws are impacting those incredible humans in that state and around this country was really emotional and really heavy. And I did feel some anxiety being there making sure that we were all going to stay safe. And it was such a magical place to be. And I'm so thankful for that experience as they're continuing to take humans' rights away. And to be able to be a part of that creative magic was really incredible.
0: (laughs) Well, well, that's that's quite a note. I'm not sure how to move on. Go vote,
1: people. You'll see where your dollars are going. Chase the breadcrumbs to see who you're actually supporting and what you're supporting. And vote and listen. And drag queens matter. And our children matter. And trans lives matter. And all of the things. So be kind to each other. Okay. Correct. All okay. Right. Also, okay, last side note, and then we <laughs> can start. Have you seen the pride section at Target this year? I have. I've bought two things. <laughs>
0: so far. Oh yeah. yeah. I can't decide.
1: Uh, I got the overalls with uh-huh. the little hearts. Okay. And then I got the super cute graphic tee that says like trans people will always exist or something like that. Because it's like 90s graphic cute, like really
0: colorful and a bunch of patterns and stuff. So It was very cute. I saw a gay person walking through the pride section talking about the designs. And he was like, this was definitely designed by a gay person. This was definitely not designed Uh by a gay person. I watched those breakdowns on TikTok. And there's this hilarious
1: one where they're showing the target listings. And the front is so cute. Like, it's this, like, green color. And it, like, has something bordered on the front. And they're like, I would buy this. And then they flip to the back and
0: literally the entire back of this shirt says gay. (laughs) I mean, massive. Just gay. Oh. Why? Uh, Why? 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 I don't understand.
1: Okay. Well, go check out. I mean, it just, it's for capitalism. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) This section is really cute though. Okay. Today... I want to chat with you about, I found this article that has some really great ways of thinking about how to future-proof your industry, your expertise, your career in the age of AI. We've been having the conversation about AI a lot recently with a couple of softwares that we've enjoyed using, some chats that you've been a part of with the literal CEO of ChatGPT, and kind of just sharing our different perspectives. And I think that this is a conversation that deserves to be addressed often and early and often, so that we can understand how it can best support us. But I want to share with you the five ways that Harvard Business Review came up with, but we also added our own. So we have 10 ways to future-proof your career in the age of AI that I want to chat with you all about today.
0: Yeah. So let's jump in and we'll start with the five that the Harvard Business Review talked about. And the first one is specifically... Avoiding predictability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this is obviously the more AI learns, the more it is going to, we're going to have a homogenous culture, right? Where everyone has the same answers to the same questions. And the goal is like, how can you break that cycle and avoid being a predictable solution?
1: Well, and I think that this is a common thing that I've heard people say of like, well, now we're all going to start sounding the same. Well, not if you try to not sound the same. Like we all still have brains that we can use and we can tweak a foundation or a first draft of what we get, what we might get by using AI. This Harvard Business Review said in the famous words of Oscar Wilde, who would probably not have been a heavy user of ChatGPT, quote, everything popular is wrong. (laughs) And I think it's that kind of scope. It's like, what's the lens in which you can use AI to support you? And this is another one of our points later on too, but to not rely on it as the only draft that comes out and really utilizing your deeper knowledge as a human being and a personality to sound interesting. And this isn't just for a GBT like critique. It says, It's really the same even when, if you consider like when you let Gmail or Google Docs autocomplete a search or a a sentence. I know that Abby and I joke all the time about how learning how to Google is a skill. And if you think the first thing that you type in that sentence is the AI version, right? Because it's, you're just like, I just need to get this out and it's not necessarily going to make sense. But as you dive into your research and as you continue to ask the question in a different way, and veer off into a different path, that question and the search becomes more refined. That's what I want you to focus on, on what you're putting out into the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next up is specifically honing the skills that the machines are trying to emulate. And when you think about AI, it is doing a good job of learning what it is still struggling to do and will it do in the future is an argument that could be had, but it's not conscious and it doesn't have emotion or like the ability to like feel. And so there's an opportunity to hone on to those specific skills and like, not just look at the surface level of anything that you're doing and how can you approach someone in a way, I think for this, like it starts to come up as like sales copy of like, how can you have someone feel heard and understood and like that you relate to them because you understand them on a level that technology cannot bridge that gap. And leaning in to the ways you're similar to your ideal clients or in the ways that you understand them, I think will be a clear differentiator. The
1: trifecta that this article brings up is really honing in how you show up in empathy Self awareness and creativity, because those are things that AI is trying to do. Like it displays those things. It says, I'm sorry my answer upset you, or self awareness, I'm just an AI model and therefore, et cetera, et cetera. And even creativity, it can tell you jokes or impersonate someone, but it's doing that based on text prediction, not knowing what that feeling feels like and then responding. But you do, you can. And I think if we tap into how we can use that in different ways of showing up, it's going to help set you apart.
0: Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that helped me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. The next one is really focused on doubling down on the real world. And what I think it's saying is in this mode of like, if we're going to continually be connected with technology and we've spent years, literally years, especially because of COVID being physically separated from people, you have an opportunity to connect with people on a much deeper level By getting out there, going to conferences, going to coffee, taking someone to lunch, getting to know an actual human on the other side and having that real world connection. Well, and this is saying that original research, like
1: actually talking to people, interviewing people, having conversations and identifying new insights is now even more critical. AI can only connect past dots and information that it's already been presented with, but you can dig deeper in real time to identify new information. And I think that's
0: a skill that, is beneficial not only for your career but you as a human as well. Yeah, and I think specifically when we're studying humans, there's some aspects of science that because we have so much research, I do think the technology itself will move it forward, but like then I think about the work of like Brené Brown as an example and her digging into shame and guilt and You know, all of these human emotions, that research is done with qualitative research. And if it doesn't exist, then an AI can't make models based off of it. And so there's an opportunity for us to continue to focus on things that are new, that are innovative, that are unique, that take into account the human element because being human is going to be a bigger differentiator than it's ever been before.
1: Mm -hmm. So this next piece is all about developing your personal brand and getting people to buy in and care about you as a human being and the expert in your industry field, niche, whatever it might be. And the example that they use in this article is just as art world buyers will pay exponentially more for a real Rembrandt rather than an equally beautiful painting by one of its lesser known contemporaries, corporate leaders will likely continue to pay a premium to work with people viewed as the top of their field. And part of that is because of the quality is there, but part of that is a brand statement on who they associate with based on what they value. And we talk about this all the time, right? Of identifying your values and ethics and then making every decision in alignment or through that lens. And this is one of them. There are some companies out there who are writing clauses right now that AI is completely banned in their offices and in their workspace and in their corporate. Plenty of people are doing that. And so there is, even without them doing that, there is still an opportunity for you to be the real
0: Rembrandt of your expertise. Yeah. And focus on the fact that in the same way, get out into the real world, you being a person with distinct opinions and views and whatever, you aligning with other people with similar values makes a statement about your company in addition to the work that you're pursuing. And so I think more than ever, yeah, these people will be utilizing these things outside the lines. But I think from a PR perspective, you might start to see more people talking about who's connected to who more so than we've seen in a while. Not that the who you know hasn't always mattered. It's always mattered. But I think it's going to become even more important as we create this homogenization of things that are happening. The next is really cultivating your expertise. It's ultimately in your power to continue to hone the skills that got you to where you are. And continuing to learn is going to be critical as we move into this new phase. And not just cultivating
1: expertise, but cultivating truth. And so what it brings up here is that AI is a shit referencer, basically, like you cannot use it as a source. They gave an example of how a reader contacted someone at Harvard Business Review asking where he could locate one of their Harvard Business Review articles that ChatGPT had referenced. And that article did not exist. It just did not exist. And so it can be extraordinarily valuable, but it absolutely cannot always be trusted to deliver accurate results, at least up until this point. And I do think it's going to be a minute until it can. And so there is the skill of fact checking and having more than one source and learning the skill of research and presenting your facts in a way that is actually true.
0: In a slight tangent from this, but just something that really bugs me, I am someone who holds on to research and statistics probably more than the norm. I would Um, agree. And I get really incredibly frustrated when people spew information from a study that hasn't been tested Again, like for research to be true, you need multiple people to ultimately test the theory and come to the same conclusion. And understanding those testing
1: conditions, just because the output is this, if the testing conditions weren't how you're presenting that information, then it's literally not true.
0: And then they just, this is how... Things become perpetuated as truth when they're not. And so my concern when we start to get AI into the equation is AI is going to start perpetuating, quote unquote, things people reference as fact or truth that have no basis because they're based on, well, if this is true, then this must be true. And that's yeah. not how things right. work. Right, right. It's going to be the
1: very, like, did you ever take a psych class where they were talking about like cause and correlation and how ice cream sales are higher in the summer and so are murders. So more ice cream means that murders happen more often. Like the things are not correlated and it's this, right? It's anything AI spits out. That's a fact. That's a stat. That's a reference of something you have to do your due diligence on.
0: Yeah. And doing your due diligence will help you stand out because I think because people are becoming more distrusting in general, you backing what you say up with like actual reference points instead of just talking out your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> will absolutely make a difference. People are so tired of BS. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so how can you focus on things that aren't just true, but like show that you care enough to like research the actual answer and come to a conclusion before you just like regurgitate stuff. Okay. So let's
1: go into the five that we are adding to this conversation specifically for the industry that y'all are in. And one of the ones that I think where you can always stand out in, and I have believed this before AI was even on the table. This has like been my soapbox from day one. Creating a valuable and authentic and helpful and extraordinary customer service and experience for your clients, not just for your clients, but for the traffic that lands in your circle, the prospects that are reaching out to, how are you communicating them? What are you saying? What is your tone? Are you showing up? Are you delivering? Are you matching your online presence with your real life presence? All of those have to, they all roll into that experience for your client And being mindful of that from day one and how you can continue to improve that is a huge game changer.
0: Well, and ultimately, if we're putting AI in the equation, okay, say company A and company B both can have the same work product because of the evolution of technology or whatever. What differentiates them is no longer the work itself the experience someone has along the way, how they feel throughout that time. And so ultimately why people buy will become less dependent on the work you're delivering and more dependent on how you're treated.
1: It has been not dependent on the work that you're delivering. I've said that for eight years, you could be actually shit. At the, don't be shit shit, but like you could be mediocre about the quality of the product that you're putting out there. And if how you make people feel and the impacts of their lives and the joyous experience of what it is like to work with you, those things matter a lot to humans, a lot.
0: Okay. So the next one I want you to do is focus on speed. And I think this comes up in two distinct ways. And they, are kind of in contrast to each other. So when I look at speed one, I want you to rather than be frustrated about AI's potential to take your job, regardless of what it is that you're ultimately doing, instead start with how can you leverage AI to help you do your job faster and more efficiently? And even take like, Other shit off your plate that's not related
1: to business. I saw this when AI first started kind of, when ChatGBT first came out and a lot of people in our space were kind of like freaking the fuck out about it. Someone shared this great meme that said like, we don't need AI to create art and write stories. We need AI to send emails and schedule appointments and do, you know, whatever other things like that so that humans can have more time to make art and write stories. And there's 10,000 other examples, but it's that. It's how do you leverage it to get your time back in the sense of where you can show up in really cool ways?
0: Yeah, because it's not all there yet. But like we are on the precipice of a big shift for how you can utilize it. And I do think you paying attention to how it can make your life simpler is going to be important. The second bit to this, when we're talking about speed, is keep in mind, and I quoted Sam Altman in a recent episode, and he said that our world is going to evolve faster than it ever has before. And because of that, people are going to get really tired because humans constantly keeping up to that level of change, the pace is going to be very tiring. And so I think there is an opportunity for you to intentionally slow down, not intentionally slow down in the how it can make you efficient and how you can like do your job better. But in that more of that customer experience side where you can be that breath of fresh air where it's not this like pressured situation that's like on fire all the time. I think people are going to be craving like slowness in a way that they never have before. I've talked about
1: for two years now
0: within our client
1: group that we have to untangle our addiction to urgency And I think it's going to be even harder to do in the space of AI. I think it's like one of those things where if you have similarly, like if you have a tendency to, you know, abuse a drink or smoking or whatever it might be and being around it is really hard and it's an easy to relapse, I think this is going to create environment for a lot of us to want to continue our addiction to urgency and strengthen that addiction And I really encourage you to take a pause on that and assess it. Okay, the other point I had here and this is use this to your advantage for as long as you can. I don't know how long that this will be true, but I think we still have some minutes to work with this. But need I remind you that ChatGPT is hella old in its way of thinking like it is only up to date from like 2020 pre pandemic, like January, February of 2020. And so you, and even if it gets super updated and it's like up to 2023 or whatever year that we're actually in, it doesn't know what happened 20 minutes ago, today, right now, yesterday, within your community, within your circle, within your clients, within your people, you do though, and you can do something with that information. And so I want you to start paying attention and how can you tweak and repeat based on information you're getting in real time where
0: AI can't do that. I think real-time information is going to be more critical than ever before. And this is rapidly changing. So like this very well may be dated by the time this episode even comes out. But because I know, to my knowledge, GPT-4 got an update literally yesterday from the time we're recording this, that now allows GPT-4 to in beta, connect to the internet, get fed information, like documents, spreadsheets, data sets, etc. And so the thing that's still unclear is you may be able to take the model and add to the model and get it more up to speed. The base model, however, is going to continue to be on a delay for who knows how long. And so until they have a rapid way of allowing it to take in new information, the reason they're slowing it down, just to give you pause for a second, is the more new information it has, the more likely it is to be false, because it's going to have a harder time being able to tell truth from reporting essentially. And so I do think there's still opportunities for you to focus on that timeliness piece, like Emily is saying. The next one up is thought leadership. Now more than ever, the knowledge is freely accessible and knowledge will continue to be spread and how people learn will continue to grow. What will not change and what you need to hone in on is Your opinion around all of this and your ability to continue to adapt, evolve, create methodology around, have your own unique take is essential. (laughs) It is the differentiating factor here because there are certain approaches that are going to become the norm. Okay, great. And how do you do it? Yeah. We like to help our
1: clients identify what their methodology is or their process or their framework. You can use whatever word you want, but it's kind of your SOP for how you deliver client results and how you make sure that the problem is solved within an offer, within your time of working with them. And we help you all kind of identify that in a way that's going to help set up your processes, your deliverables, your scope, everything in between, but it really helps with messaging as well. And I think actually identifying not just what you do at the end of it, but why and how are you the unique expert for that thing? So the last one that we want to bring up here is more of the, we've kind of talked about this here when we talk about our own like marketing strategies and education that we recommend for our clients. And we always, we say stuff like foundational or old school business, traditional (laughs) business methods But I think overall, you bringing to the table such a a timeless approach of doing business and interacting with your ideal prospect is something that AI cannot replicate right now.
0: Well, and because the speed in which technology is changing is so rapid, it's going to be harder than ever to ride the trend train because the trends are going to be you know, instead of months or years that that something lasts, it could be weeks or hours. How you know? I've seen people create whole business models yeah. around a trend. Like, okay, and just as an example, Instagram is blowing up. Well, they grow their following, and they turn around and teach people how to grow their following. Same thing on TikTok. Oh, I'm going viral. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to grow file. And it's not just social. Like those are just examples, but like. Take anything that becomes literally AI. Like, we're not, Emily and I are not changing into an AI company, but there are whole people that are whole people, obviously. (laughs) There are companies that are pivoting their entire business model to be AI focused and generate all these things. Do I think people are going to make a shit ton of money doing that? Yes, but it's going to be a select few. And so, could you go down that road? Absolutely. It's going to be more of an uphill battle though. I think the calmer, <laughs> easier, more simple approach that includes a lot less stress is going to be focusing on things that are more timeless, that are more foundational. And if you can create your own methodology around it, like we've talked about, have that, that thought leadership around it, then all of a sudden you're not requiring your own self or your business to continue to iterate. Yeah. Every five seconds. And
1: well, we always talk about how no matter the shitstorm that's going on in our industry or the economy or the country or whatever, we like to remain a constant. And the only way we've been able to do that is to not leverage trends for a flash in the pan success and instead really rely on foundational business practices that have carried our business through a recession, through a pandemic, through a baby, through major health issues across the board, through growing a team and shrinking a team and everything in between. We're still here. We're still a constant.
0: Yeah. So all of this to say, if you want help in real time dealing with the stress of running your business and how it's Being required to evolve in this changing world. I want you to know that our group coaching programs are designed to not only address the foundational aspects that we think are critical to your continued growth and ability to scale, but also we are reacting and creating conversations around and masterminding and coaching through active. Real world situations that are coming up. And that is a major part of what we do. And so, yes, we're talking about it on the podcast, but we're taking individual circumstances and diving deep into how you react, respond, and work through these challenges that come up in your profession. And so, if you want to be a part of that, if you want some insight into how you move through challenges, if you simply want that sounding board that can help you make decisions and make change. We want to be a part of that. So you can go right now to bossproject.com slash waitlist, share a little bit about where you're at and what you're looking for. And I would love to have a conversation with you directly to talk about what's going on in your business and how you can continue to stay relevant employed, <laughs> making money, and so on and so forth. I would love to be there for you as you kind of navigate this new world that we're living in. So go to bossproject.com slash waitlist, book a time with me, and we'll chat super soon. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership, with thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics